everyone. Happy Freya. Welcome to episode 18. And I'm really, it's an honor, privilege, and pleasure to introduce to you today, uh, Rendy Starks. Um, Rendy, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so we were just getting all our tech and stuff in order and now everything's, everything's good to go. Um, and so I was, I was trying to think of like an intro on how to introduce Rendy because she's like a best kept secret. So a lot of people see her through invitations and referrals only and by her work, her referrals grow. And um, she's much too modest to say some things around here. So I'm going to do my best to kind of <laughs> encapsulate this human being <laughs> on, on the podcast because it's like it's it's this woman's totally insane crazy good uh she's an oracle starseed and so much more and i thought the best way to um introduce her would be through uh client testimonials that i actually collected uh and she doesn't know this i kind of sprung it on her last minute to embarrass her so <laughs> So stay with me here, because because what better way to, to talk about somebody than people who know her, right? So these are very heartfelt connections I just wanted to share here today so that people could get to know you through people who know you. Um, so people who do come in contact with you, I've heard uh, here in Vancouver, they call it the Rendy High. <laughs> and <laughs> after the session... It's a Rendy high. You, you literally get a Rendy high, and I call I call it I call it the Rendy experience. This woman is an experience in and of herself. Um, so here's just some quick testimonials here. Um, somebody said after their session with you, their, their first session, they said, uh, "I experience God in everyday life now." Someone else said um, their light is getting brighter and brighter and they want to be more in communion with that which they call God and source energy now. Uh, another client said, I was transformed. I can't describe it. <clears throat> and then there's myself. Um, I literally felt like I could fly after our session together uh my word was ineffable because i it's the same as everybody else and we don't talk to each other about like well what you know it was just people were saying the same thing about being transformed and we can't put it into words um this woman picked up things i haven't even shared with people so i know she is the real deal it's like there's no way she could have known and uh i was going through a hard time with my mom passing last year and really heavy with grief. Um, and we had our interaction and um, I can step forward and start looking forward to uh, new things. So thank you, Randy, again, uh, for allowing me to do that. And um, <laughs> I, I hope people can kind of encapsulate and give this woman the respect she uh, deserves because she's, uh, I'm very happy that she's here on this planet to help us assist through this great transformation. <clears throat> so, with the first question, so people can get to know you, can you um, describe to us uh, basically what happened with your awakening moment and your, is it related to your near-death experience? Just people can get a background of who you are and what happened. So this is, it's interesting. I didn't know this was going to be episode number 18, but yeah. I'm just, I'm going to say that because my near-death experience was on the 18th of June, 
So that's interesting. <laughs> um, I'm always seeing numbers. So, yeah, my near-death experience on June 18th of 2010. Um, do you want to know, like, a little bit about it? It's not that long of a story. <laughs> no, just, no. Let, let, let's talk about it because I want to know if that relates to you getting your super magical powers. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, I kind of, I feel like I had some intuition, and, and I, I, I'd i seen maybe a couple spirits, but, like, in my, in the past, but not anything, not, not like this, like, mm-hmm. maybe just regular experiences that normal, everyday people have. Um, so, my near-death experience on that day Um, I, I just, I just flatlined they, and then I was on life support, um, for like maybe 12 hours, 12 to 24 hours. It wasn't a real long time. Um, they did have to revive me. So there was no explanation for it. Absolutely no explanation whatsoever. They, they couldn't find any medical reason why I died. Um, but I know that when I did, I remember going into, it was like I just was floating with no gravity. And immediately, I knew, I knew what was happening immediately. And I'm like, like waving my arms, like somehow I'm going to be able to swim back down, right? Like, but there's nothing to grab onto. So I just, it like, it was just like I was just floating and I was like, no, 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 no. I know what's happening and I'm not ready for this. So I was like kind of panicking, trying to get okay. back down to my body. And um, and then as I kept floating and floating, I got it got like lighter and lighter, like visually lighter. And I felt lighter the further I floated. But there was there wasn't anything. There wasn't like any tunnels or anything like that. It was just this. It was just me. That's okay. all there was and nothing else, but just this floating and this feeling and this realization of, I know what this is. I know what's happening right now. And then I got to a place where I was in like, um, it's really hard to describe because it's not a white light like we can describe here on earth. But I would say it, it, it looks white if, if I can describe it that way, but it was very soft. It was very, very soft, like, and warm. And once I got there, I started to calm down and I felt a little better. And then I remember exactly, I will never, ever forget, of course, exactly the moment that when I looked up and where all of it changed, like this want to go back into my body was when I saw my sister and she was on the left mm-hmm. and then I saw. Sorry, and, and this is your sister passed away by then. Oh yes. Sorry. So okay. my sister, yeah, she, she'd been dead for at least 10 years at that time. Earlier that year I'd lost my fiance. Um, he passed away and he was standing right next to my sister. And Two years prior to that, I, my fiance and I had lost a baby boy. 
he was probably about eight years old standing next to his dad. So now I have three people that I, I that my was my greatest grief of losing them in this physical human, you know, on earth. Um, yeah. The three people I missed and grieved the most were standing there. <laughs> this is going to seem, I remember seeing my sister and my heart just, my heart just exploded with love. I just wanted, I just wanted to go straight to her and put, have just jump into her arms. Of course, mm-hmm. it doesn't work like that. I'm still floating. Now I'm floating very slowly. So as I'm processing this emotion of there's my sister, oh my gosh, I want to hug her. And then I saw my fiance and I was confused. Why are the two of them together? They didn't know each other. <laughs> so, and then I saw my son and then I had these feelings of, oh, that's not fair. My son gets to be with him. Like that's so humanly selfish, right? But I was like, but then there was a part of me that was like, oh, well, at least they're together. I'm happy they're together. But there was that humanness that was like, they, my son and my fiance get to be with my sister. Then I really felt left out and I was kind of angry and I wanted to be with them. So my son puts his hand out and extends his arm. And as I'm floating closer, I reach my hand out and our fingers come just about like that. Okay. And then I felt this electric current go through me and it was it was excruciating and it was just zip that quick in the speed of thought. I was, I was back. I was gone. I got ripped away from them. You're back in your body. Yes. Okay. And, um, so yeah, so I, I'll just skip the part of being like, it's kind of funny. I don't know. I guess I I woke up. Maybe I'll just tell it. I woke up restrained in the hospital um, and I felt like I was gagging, like I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. And, and I, and I opened my eyes, but I couldn't see yet. My eyes had to adjust. And then there was a nurse in there and she said, calm down, calm down. You have a tube in your throat and you're restrained. So you just need to calm down. And I was like, so then, you know, I mean, I can comprehend what she's saying. I'm restrained. What are you talking about? Why am I strained? Why is there a tube in my throat? I'm so confused. And, um, I don't know. I kind of feel like I went, I kind of nodded out again. And then when I came back to, they had removed the tube. I felt him pulling it out, but I was pretty groggy and it took a minute for my focus to come back. And then they took the restraints off, but they explained to me that I had ripped the tube out before. Yeah. And that's why they, for my safety, I had to be restrained, which of course I don't remember that. So um, again, there was no, there was no diagnosis as to what caused this. It was just some freak thing that happened. I got home. Um, I was staying with my mom at the time. Because um, I found my fiance. So the trauma from that just, it was just good to be around family at the time. So I was staying with my mom in my mom's house at the time. And it it literally only took two or three days And I was with my best friend, um, who's now passed at the time. And we're hanging out at my mom's. And there's this, I see this little girl (laughs) playing in my mom's foyer. And I'm, like, looking at her. And my friend goes, what are you looking at? Nothing. 
<laughs> Nothing. And she says, Randy, I saw you looking at something you were looking at. I said, I not, nothing, nothing, because I felt crazy. She says, I see her too. And I went, huh? So I'm not crazy? So that was my my first inkling that something had changed. Okay. And then I, I actually rolled a ball to this little girl because she went and hid under the table. I rolled a ball, like, past the table, but outside of the table, and she came out to play with the ball and I got her name. I knew what she looked like. We ended up finding a picture of her that she really, um, that she was somebody that had passed through my mom's house at one point. Um, but I still didn't really realize that the veil was dropped in a big way. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like I kept telling myself, this has got to be like PTSD from dying or something. Like I didn't know, but then it kept happening but it was happening not just with with you know spirits it was it was the dark stuff it was it was stuff that i couldn't i saw everything and then i started having memories of things that were confusing me like how could i remember this and so it was a lot obviously i won't get into all those details right now but it was a lot and then i found um, my mom actually recommended this book that she had read i don't remember the name of it now but it was about this woman who'd had a near death experience and then all of a sudden she had all these abilities and all these gifts and it was like in her testimony if i remember correctly it was like it reconnected her to our creator to source energy um to the beginning of everything right before the beginning and she she came to understand that relationship. So that book really helped me. But that also sent me on this, what I guess you would call a spiritual journey. Okay, <laughs> my life is different now. I need to figure this out. Um, and and like how do you and and then adapting your new veil lifting to like your everyday life and all of that as Ooh. well. Yeah, that was hard. Um, <laughs> And as do you, so I know we kind of talked before about sometimes how it was scary. Yeah, can you t- can you tell them about the man in the closet? Because <laughs> I I introduced Randy yeah. uh, to friends as you know she she saw this man the man in the closet the moment. Man in the closet. Then, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was like I want to say let's see. I think that happened probably I don't know five years later or something by now that I've moved and I'm I've moved completely out of that city I went to start a whole new fresh life <laughs> pulled my kids out of school put them in a, in a better school like I had this I just needed a new fresh start especially with everything that had changed with me I, I didn't know how to get a grip on that living in my old life so I needed to start fresh so I'm in this in this house that I bought in um it was just a little mobile home. Um, and I was almost asleep one night. Now, I'd been there for probably about a year. So it's, it wasn't like he was already in the house. I'm almost asleep one night. And my closet door creaks open. And so I'm like, sit straight up in bed. What? Like, <laughs> frozen. I'm like, and my first thought was like, okay, maybe the house is shifting, but that, you know, anyway, so I look over at the closet door and there's this man 
standing in my closet. And I can see him as clearly as I can see you. Yeah. I know it's kind of, I know it's kind of maybe gangster ghetto, whatever, but this, <laughs> my very first thought was, my gun's not in the nightstand, it's in the closet. <laughs> because, you know, you hear stories about people will wait in your house while you're at work and they'll hide in the closet and wait for you to fall asleep and then they come out. So <laughs> this is my thought that this guy'd been waiting in the closet the whole time. For me to fall asleep. And so my first reaction was go for the gun and, and you know, scare him and get him out of here. Or you're, you, just these terrible thoughts were going through my head, but I was just panicked, right? Yeah, yeah. So all I could do was freeze and just sit there and look at him. And then I'm realizing, wait a minute, he's like not moving. And then I can hear him, but he's, his mouth isn't moving. So then I went, oh, he's not alive. He's not alive. Oh, my gosh. He's not alive. So then, of course, I have a whole different set of emotions flowing through me. And um, I get like nervous even talking about it. I'm like, dude, I hope you found peace. But um, <clears throat> did, did he eventually go away? He... Um, because you did talk okay. to him, right? You did talk did, to him. Yeah. So so here's here's what happened. He he first starts to I don't remember what he was saying, but I'm still so freaked out. I'm like like not I don't know what to do at this point. Like I don't know how to act to react to this. But then I started getting really sick, physically sick. Like I tried to get off the bed and leave my room. Mm-hmm. I was so sick. I was doing, I I started sweating, shaking. Um, It was the worst feeling, Um, sweating, shaking. I was nauseated. Like, I felt like I was dying. Like, it came over me so fast. Like, I felt like I was dying. And I was like, then I didn't know. But pretty quickly, I put it together. But he was, somehow he was doing this to me. So I told him, stop it. Whatever, whatever, whatever is happening here, why I'm sick, you need to stop it. And I kind of got mad at that point. And he's, um, that's when it was almost like he knew how he knew to pull it. I don't know how it happened, but it was like he pulled it back. And then he, he just started pleading with me. I need you to find my wife. I'm looking for my wife. I need my wife. Please help me find my wife. And I was like, dude, I, I don't know. I don't know anything about you. I don't know. I don't know. Your, I don't know how to help you. Um, but he just stayed in the closet the whole time. But because now I'm not sick and I can move, I just jumped off the bed and ran out of the room and went and slept on my couch. And it was like, a, I think it was a Friday night. And I remembered this. There was like this little crystal mystical shop where you can buy oracle cards and crystals and stuff in our town. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm going there first thing in the morning and I'm going to like buy whatever kind of weapons I need to get this guy out. Like, you know, <laughs> sage. I don't know. I'm still learning. Right. I don't know. I'm like, maybe there's somebody in the store that can come to my house and get him out. I didn't know what to do. Um, so I go into the store and I tell the people what's going on. This one lady that owns the store and she tells me. Uh she tells me, well, the best thing you can do 
is just just guide him into the light. He missed he missed his window to leave. He missed that light, which is his ticket home, basically. And she says, you have everything in you to help him home. And I was like, what? I do? Okay, but I... Now, mind you, I'd been sleeping on the couch for three days and wouldn't go back in my room. At least, at least you were on, like, I can't, if there's a spider in my room, I would be out of the house. (laughs) So I can't imagine, (laughs) I can't imagine there's like this strange man in your room. You're still on the couch. I'm like out until I have physical confirmation that that spider I'm pretty sure that my family thought I was completely nuts because I'd like crack my bedroom door open and peek in and I could still see him in the closet I was like nope (laughs) I think one time I like because my dresser wasn't near the closet one time I like cracked the door open ran and opened the door grabbed some stuff and ran back out (laughs) so anyway yeah I got some I got some guidance on that, and there was a a reader there that did, um, she called it prana, like prana something. I'm not real familiar with that, but anyway, she she talked to me, and she told, she like did a quick reading before I went back to, and she's, she's the one that told me, this is not just your everyday average. He sought you out. Okay. And... She said he was probably close by when he died. And she said that because he missed his light, he knew to look for the next closest light. And I was that light. And that's why he sought me out. So she really helped me feel better. And then I got back home and I went in the room and there he is in the closet. And I remember like keeping the the bed was between me and the closet. And I wouldn't, I was like ready to bolt out the door. I was still kind of scared. But I went in and I says, look, I just did what she taught me to do. And I I talked to him gently and I said, I'm sorry this happened to you. But I need you to look for the light. And I, I didn't like see it with my physical eyes, but I in my third eye, I could see a light beam come down kind of behind and around him. And he and then he was just gone. Like I didn't even see him look at it. He just as soon as it came down, he was just gone. And he, he never came, you never saw him in the closet again? No, we didn't. But we did find out later that someone had passed in the field behind our house. Um, and we heard that it was an overdose. And um, as time went on, I learned being a physical medium, I was taking on the symptoms of a of a heroin overdose. That was what. That was smelling of sickness that you felt. Yeah. And you're like, it was coming from him and you didn't know where it was from. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that was something I had to learn on this journey, how to shield kind of shield myself from. So it wasn't so overwhelming and scary. Okay. Yeah. No, um, I bet it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Thank you. for Yeah. <laughs> Because, I mean, these are very personal experiences, you know, that you're sharing. And I really appreciate you doing that. I mean, your near-death experience and seeing your loved ones and then the man in the closet, right? I mean, these are... 
<laughs> These are just about closets anyway. Like I won't get into it right now, but it's always the freaking closet. Like there's a reason they make scary movies about things in the closet. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> okay. That is true. That is true. So when would you say was your moment? You called it amnesia when I was talking with you prior. When um when was that moment that you felt it was lifted? Was it in the near-death experience, but the part where you just started to remember everything, past lives, uh, incarnations on other systems, planetary systems, all of that, like, because you said the amnesia was gone. Yeah. yeah. So, so I didn't I, understand that that was what was happening until it was after the man in the closet. I'm going to say probably around 2017-ish is when I started having memories of past lives. And then I would get all these, um, I'll give you one example. And I know, I know what it's gonna sound like, but I also know that it's very real. So one night in the middle of the night, I'm called to get out of bed and go to the window and face east. Okay. Now there's there's something in my room. I can't see it, but it's I can feel it very loving and gentle and kind and it literally woke me up, told me go go face east um out out this window. Okay. And it was weird because I just knew to do it. So I go and I face this window and I'm looking out east. It's nighttime. The the glow of the moon is coming through the window because I obviously I opened the blinds and the, this window, I had a little table with all my plants, all my plants were together. I just believe plants like to be in their own little community. They don't like to be separated from each other. So I put them all together, but I had this one specific plant that this, this voice was telling me, focus on this plant. Okay. Now take a picture of the plant, okay, without flash. Just let the let the moonlight, as it's hitting the plant, be the light on this plant. Okay, so I'm like following all these instructions. Got pictures of the plant in the middle of the night at moonlight. Okay, like literally, this feels like nuts to me, right? But um, but it all also feels like I this voice was guiding me so I listened to this guide I um go back to bed don't really think much of it and then I'm going through my pictures and I see this plant and this guide comes through again zoom in keep zooming in on the photo right zoom in to the potting soil it was it was like whoop I was gone like literally something in magnifying the potting soil the the image of it um it it pulled me in and i felt like it was going into some galaxy or constellation like it was weird and i was i don't i can't comprehend with my human brain what's happening right now but i screenshotted it as it was um magnified so then I'm 
you know, maybe a little time goes on, a couple of weeks, whatever it is. And then I'm going on um, getting all these other messages and stuff. And I'm, I'm just following what this same guide is telling me. Basically, it's given me breadcrumbs, right? So at the time I was following NASA and like the Hubble telescope stuff, I mean, I just really was just fascinated with like astrology, like don't know that much about it, but I just love that they were getting all these new images. Like this is a really big deal. Right. And on like, um, um, on my newsfeed, NASA captured this image in the Andromedan galaxy and this image, I'm telling you, right, I'm telling you, I could probably go back in my pictures from, because I save everything and find this. I have a OneDrive to keep all these photos. I am telling you, the, the zoom in to one section of the Andromeda galaxy and that potting soil, ha- it is it it could side by side it's almost unmistakably the exact same identical I was thinking that yeah and I just went what I didn't know I didn't even know there was an Andromeda Andromeda (laughs) galaxy at the time right like that that took me down to not down um I was gonna say a rabbit hole but it wasn't really that that was like start opening you up to more of who you are that's where it started all Mm -hmm. of a sudden I went that's where that's where I'm from. How mm. could I be from there? I'm that's home and I'm I'm feeling it. Now I'm homesick. I just located where I where my home was and I'm homesick and now I'm feeling this grief because I want to go home. And it just it just spiraled from there. I mean, I was just getting more and more information and it was confirmation that I couldn't deny. And a lot of my family thought I was nuts. <laughs> Like I'm going through something. Well, you know, so that was the hardest part because I knew every fiber of my being on a cellular level and, and my soul and everything knew that this was true. This is true. And I had to investigate. I had to find out more about myself. Nothing else mattered except for discovering where I was from. And that's, I, I remember when I started the Hopi medicine path telling my teacher, I don't want breadcrumbs anymore. I want the whole loaf. I want to know everything. She goes, Oh, Randy, be careful what you ask for. (laughs) Because, you know, when you put that kind of thing out in the universe, it'll give it to you. And I did start getting so much that I was overwhelmed. Now I'm remembering, I, I can't tell you how many lives here on earth. And not even as just being a human, but I remember being a tree. I remember being a viper. Um, I remember being in different battles. I remember being a slave. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And I had these physical experiences in these memories as they were coming back. And then I started to remember in places in the galaxy that I had lives. And it wasn't just like a memory, um, like a movie, I was experiencing the emotions connected to those memories. So that's yeah. intense. That's intense. Yeah. Do you remember the moment that you described um, as when you came to volunteer? And just some pretext around this too is that um, even with Dolores Cannon and her work, she talked about, you know, she's dealt with all these clients from all over the world and she talks about the volunteers coming to Earth. 
to help lift it and raise its vibration and, and all those things. And she's like, they can't possibly be talking to each other when one's in Egypt and Cairo and the other one's in the States and they're saying the same thing. Right. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's that. And, and I just wanted to further say she, you know, people experience themselves as a rock or a tree or different forms of consciousness. Uh, so I just wanted to share that too. But the moment that you remember when you came to volunteer, if you could describe that for me. Okay. Um, I'm almost positive that was in 2018. And I want to say I discovered um, Dolores Cannon about a year ago. Oh my gosh, I couldn't get enough. I was like, ah! <laughs> her work is amazing. And, um, it, and it really helped me to feel like I, I found to validate like, my, what I knew was my truth. Cause all this happened before I ever knew anything about her. So that that's awesome. I'm so grateful for her work. Um, so in, a, in 2018, sometime in 2018, I really, really connect with water. And like I said, I wanted the whole loaf of bread. So whenever I had, whenever I had the house to myself and it was, and it was quiet and I knew, oh, I can, I can dive into meditation and I'm still learning to do meditation at this time and disconnect from this world to get information um, clearly without having a lot of static so in 2018, I'm in the bath. I put, I, I'm looking for a, a YouTube meditation, I think. Like, I usually just trust my intuition. What's going to, what's going to be good for, for this one? Um, and I saw this little kid's face in like this, you know, like a, a starry galactic looking background. And I was sucked right in. I was like, what's this? I don't remember what the title was. So I clicked on it and I'm pretty sure it was a little kid's voice that was narrating. And this, this, in this child's voice, it started talking about um, that we volunteered to come here to help humanity and help planet earth and to raise the vibrations of the planet. Now, mind you, at the time, I didn't fully understand vibrations either. I'm, this is something I'm still trying to investigate and understand. So this all happened really fast. Um, as soon as I heard that child's voice say that, I don't even, I couldn't tell you what the rest of the, what, I don't know. That was it. <laughs> you just that left. Was it. I was gone. Left. You're in the tub and you were gone somewhere else. Yep. <laughs> so where'd you go? So forgive me if I get a little emotional here. So I was in this, I'm going to call it a void because that's just what it felt like. It just was this darkness, um, just floating in this darkness. There was nothing, no stars, no planets. There was nothing, just this empty, quiet, peaceful void didn't it didn't feel bad it just 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 was nothing and it was strange because I, I remember kind of just 
popping up there alone. And I don't know if I had to like adjust to what was around me because um, I know I wasn't alone. I felt like I could feel what was around me, but I just couldn't see it yet. So maybe I was transitioning um, to be able to cope with what was about to happen. I don't know. It just, maybe that's just how memories work. But anyway, so I'm there and there's this small council. And I remember exactly if I, if I had to put it into directions being on earth, I remember if I could do a direction, I was facing east and this council came from the east. And there was at least three of them that were the spokespersons. And there may have been a few behind, but the, the main three were the, the ones that did the telepathic communication. And there, there was quite a few of us there, but we weren't human. Um, me, myself, I just, I didn't really see myself, but um, I just, I was energy. I was like kind of pastel colored energies. Um, and I, I could see where this council was, was the only direction that there wasn't other beings coming from. So they came in waves, waves and like if you were to look out the if you were to look out at a distance and instead of seeing ocean waves you're seeing waves of beings like literally it was like i, I can't even describe they just were they like souls no okay no they were being they were beings from all over all over the universe like there's so many different star races that can't you can't even that without numbers um i can i can identify the ones that i know of that we've given titles to but there were so many pam they just they rolled in until there was so many around us in front of this small council that you, you could look as far as you could see and they that's how many were there and we were all one um i should mention that i can very specifically, there were two mantis, and they're taller than all the rest, and they and they have like a lot more light than all the rest. So they really stand out, and they're in the group. So we're all kind of gathered. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to back up. As we're gathered waiting for this council to speak, I remember, I remember playing, like I was playing, like I was... I wasn't a little kid, I don't think, but it felt like I had like this little kid mentality. And I remember I was somewhere playing when all of a sudden this sound comes in and it was, it was a sound that stopped me. And I would identify it as nowadays, um, like in our terms, this was a 911 call. This was, this was like the emergency sound system was going off and you know where to go you you know to answer this call that's that's as much as i knew so i went so there's got there's got to be this council has to be some kind of a galactic um i understand it better now but at the time i didn't i trusted that there was some sort of a they were calling some sort of a galactic meeting that was an emergency so i answered the call and standing in this crowd or floating in this crowd 
And this council starts telepathically speaking to all of us at once. It, it, we're just connected through energy. And this is where it gets a little emotional because they, um, they're basically telling us that they called us here. And this is what they said. They said, we've called you here because your sister, I'm going to put this in human terms, your sister's in trouble. And, you know, they, they called her Gaia. They said, your sister Gaia is in trouble. Humans have discovered nuclear weapons. And they explained to us, you, know, you all know the laws of free will. Um, we can't take free will. They knew, we all also knew how fragile Earth was. Like fragile is probably an understatement compared to some of the other planets. So for me personally, I remember some, some of the other beings were like, why would we want to go there? Like, why would we want to go there? Just, just have the, just remove the humans or intervene. And the council was, you know, they were like, you know, we can't take free will. Mm-hmm. We can't. The human race deserves a chance to basically liberate themselves and we're and we will not intervene not like that so um they it just we just weren't getting convinced this is how i remember it we just weren't getting convinced like this there's got to be another way so then they started showing us like the we started seeing like flashes in in our thoughts i i wouldn't i'm not going to say minds because we don't have minds but we're starting to see like these movie flashes in our thoughts. They're showing us. They're showing us the po- the possibilities of what could happen if 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 something doesn't if we don't go and help basically. So they're explaining to us by going into. Um, Incarnating into a human vessel is a loophole because none of us as galactic beings were going to be able to help humanity or planet Earth from where we were at due to free will and that universal law. So this loophole being a volunteer and coming to be in join the humans, be human was um was the only option that we had because then then we're not <clears throat> we're not taking free will and not but we're more we're we're like we can manipulate the the vibrations here. And when I say manipulate, that's a positive manipulation, right? That means yeah. we can change. You're changing the frequency. Yeah. By, yeah. In, by incarnating on earth. Right. And by spreading. So first of all, we would come here and anchor our light. And then, and then our part of our mission is to spread that light. And, um, but we have to do it in a way where, we can we we can only help humans that are that are that are ready and willing. We can't go cram it down their throat, right? 
Um, we knew it was going to be hard. We were told that we wouldn't remember who we were. But, amnesia. but a lot yeah. of people have amnesia. Yeah. <laughs> like one of the laws on earth is you're going to forget. And then you have right. to the artist yeah. yourself again. Oh, so, um, but there's also, there's also a point, especially this is, this is my personal experience and my truth. So I, I would want to say to everyone, trust your own truth and trust what is in your heart because that's where your truth is. Your heart is your, is more of a brain than your actual logical, physical brain in your head is. So, um, if you're having experiences or memories, trust what's in your heart. I know that's what I did. And um, I wanted to remember everything. I know I don't remember everything. Thank goodness, I think. But I remember enough. And remembering that we were told, you're not going to remember who you are. You're going. You're going from this basically this free energy that can travel at the speed of thought and you're just you're just pure light and unconditional love you're going from this into a very very dense human body in a, in a, on a dense planet and the density is why we have physical things right so we got condensed and Seriously, like, <laughs> like um, we did. <laughs> yeah, we did, and um, it's uh, so a lot of star seeds, you know, when they when they start feeling like they don't, they're not from here, they don't fit here. There's there's good reason in that, but having an understanding of it all really helps. It really helps. Um, I guess I'm kind of babbling now, but. It was hard, Pam. It was it was really hard. It was hard to I mean, I was I was honored to come here, but when I remembered where I came from and that I volunteered to come here and to and what I volunteered to do here, my the hardest part to accept of all of this wasn't the truth of what I was remembering. The hardest part of accepting this was how am I going to tell people my truth? Start with my loved ones, see what their reaction is. My children were probably the most supportive and my one sister. And then, of course, I found a community of people that knew exactly that what I was talking about. But um, that was the hardest. Yeah. To try to convince people that I'm... I, I now know what I'm here for and I have to do it no matter what it takes because I found what I found. I've always known I was here for something, but until I got that validation, I just felt like I was wandering through life aimlessly searching. And now I've found it. I have to do it. It's who I am. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Okay. I'm done. No, and you're doing it and you're doing it because you know, as I call it, the Rendy experience and <laughs> Rendy High, <laughs> you're definitely going around um, um, changing people's lives in a very profound 
ineffable way. So thank you for sharing that uh, very personal journey as well. And I know a lot of your bravery in sharing, it helps to connect other star seats to feel like, you know, they're not alone, which is one of the reasons I do these interviews is to get these authentic, raw, real conversations out there so people can connect again to humanity without any superficial feeling of judged and all that other kind of stuff that comes with it. Just looking at the time now, I'm going to cut this into part one. (laughs) Okay. Because it's one eleven, by the way. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Sweet. Oh my gosh, I know. I feel. I'm sorry. I didn't. Yeah, sorry if I talk too much. <laughs> but, no, you're supposed to talk. You're the guest. <laughs> no, it's a, yeah, going and answering those questions. It's those that runs deep. There's other stuff that I could probably move through faster, but <laughs> no, it's all good. Yeah. Um, so, so to our audience, uh, just stay tuned for next week while I post uh, part two on a Friday. But just for now, this is part one, and we will see you next week because we've only just started to – we've only begun, and we're going to dive even more deeper into this conversation. So thank you, Randy. Thank you.